Good morning. This is the January 24th episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show, where we're on a mission to teach, learn, and remember the history of professional wrestling with everyone that wants to join us. My name is John, and on today's episode, we're talking about what tradition got its start on this day in 1988. Well, it's that time of year. So, I'm not sure I'm stringing anyone along today. We had to get to this story eventually. On this day in 1988, the WWF presented the first ever Royal Rumble. Okay, wait. That's not entirely true. They had been playing around with the idea for a little while and testing the crowd's reaction at house shows and different forms to see what worked and what didn't. Technically, the first Rumble that would resemble what eventually made it to TV took place in St. Louis on October 4, 1987. It only consisted of 12 participants and was won by the one-man gang who last eliminated Junkyard Dog. But this was never aired or referenced on WWF programming, so we don't really count it. Perhaps the reason for this is the event drew less than 2,000 fans to the Kiel Auditorium that day. Other contributing factors were the fact that the match's creator, Pat Patterson, was not on hand at the event to oversee his creation, and when he heard how it was implemented, he claimed they screwed up the concept entirely. Also, Vince McMahon is said to have hated the idea from the first time he heard it. The winner's prize that night was supposed to be a shot at WWF champion Hulk Hogan when the company returned to St. Louis the following month. But the ring announcer ruined the results by mentioning ahead of time that One Man Gang would be facing Hogan next month, so the night was kind of a minor disaster. The first Royal Rumble we count in the now legendary lineage took place on January 24, 1988 in Hamilton, Ontario's Cops Coliseum in front of about 18,000 fans. It aired as a free television special on the USA Network. The WWF already had the special booked and it was to be produced by the great Dick Ebersol, with whom WWF had already been collaborating on Saturday night's main event. The story goes that Ebersol wasn't impressed with the planned card, so Vince asked Pat Patterson to explain his Rumble concept, which Ebersol thought was perfect for television. In fact, it's said to have been Ebersol who suggested adding the visual countdown clock to build anticipation for each entrant. With the show titled after the match it would be built around, the match was up to a nice round number of 20 competitors and all systems were go. Also on the card was a singles match between Ricky Steamboat and Rick Rude, a 2 out of 3 false tag match between the Islanders and the Young Stallions, and another 2 out of 3 false tag match for the WWF Women's Tag Team Championship between the champions, the Glamour Girls, and the Jumping Bomb Angels. No seriously, in a company where Moolah held the title for more than 10 years because Vince would forget it existed for years at a time, they also apparently had women's tag titles. In addition to the matches, we would also be treated to Dino Bravo's, and I'm doing air quotes here, world record 715 pound bench press with help from spotter Jesse the Body Ventura, as well as a contract signing for the WrestleMania 3 rematch between Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant that was set to take place on the main event in February, after Ted DiBiase had bought Andre's contract from Bobby Heenan. Although the Islanders-Young Stallions tag match would headline the card, the show was built around the Royal Rumble, which went on third out of the four matches. The first participant, if you're into this kind of trivia, was none other than Bret Hart, who would start the match with the man who drew number two, Tito Santana. 
Brett would eliminate Tito, but it would take nearly 11 minutes and the help eventually of his tag team partner Jim Neidhart, who entered fourth. The rumble would last 33 minutes, with Brett hanging around for a match-leading 25 minutes 42 seconds of that time before being eliminated by Don Morocco. Tito would be Brett's only elimination. The one-man gang would lead the category with five eliminations after entering at number 19, but most important, Hacksaw Jim Duggan would enter at lucky number 13, last 14 minutes 44 seconds, and win the match by last eliminating one-man gang. There was no prize awarded to the winner beyond bragging rights. The next year in 1989, WWF would build a pay-per-view card around the event, and it would join WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series to create what we refer to as the Big Four pay-per-views. Ignoring one-offs like 1989's No Holds Barred and 1991's Tuesday in Texas, the Big Four would remain as such until 1993 when King of the Ring was added to the yearly pay-per-view event list. It was also in 1993 that the tradition began of the Rumble winner heading to WrestleMania for a shot at the WWF Championship. It's now a yearly tradition that I don't mind telling you I actually get more excited for than WrestleMania itself. It's my favorite day of the wrestling calendar year. But it all started with a Sunday USA Network special, ingeniously positioned on that dead weekend between the NFL's conference title games and the Super Bowl, which was on this day in wrestling history, January 24, 1988. Well, that's our show for today. If you'd like to continue the conversation about the Royal Rumble, I encourage you to join the Daily Wrestling News Show Facebook group. You can go to facebook.com slash groups slash wrestling news show or just search for Daily Wrestling News Show. Either way, click join and we'll let you in to talk about the Rumble, Mania, or any historical wrestling topic. And if we don't see you there, we'll see you right back here for another episode of the Daily Wrestling News Show. 